Valentine's Day, and there's no better day for me to return to your ear than Valentine's Day. Um, I have never in my life felt more loved than at the outpouring of anger that the podcasts that were done previously um, did not load up on iTunes. So, yeah, sorry about that. Um, We are trying to figure it out. Blog Talk Radio kind of makes it uh, (laughs) – the show is already ruined because Mike is so mad that the show is not being organized properly. And, uh, God, (laughs) he's just telling me all the things that are more organized in this podcast. And, uh, whew, that was funny. Um, yes, I apologize, but I do have to thank Michael, Thomas, Shana, and uh, Beth for doing the show the past two weeks in my absence. Uh, it has been crazy at work, and uh, it's always crazy around the Olympics, but I almost couldn't do this week either. But I made time on Valentine's Day for you. So, like I said, I never felt more loved than just the outpouring of I need my podcast, where is my podcast? Um We are attempting to work on getting the other two uploaded. I think I know how to do it for the future. Um, It is a little bit difficult for the past, but um, yeah, I I, I appreciate all of you. I really do. Um, And thanks to Tom and and Mike, because they happen to be here for especially Tom, because he actually facilitated the the happenings of the podcast, the the inner workings that Mike has no dear idea about, because he's a goddamn... He's a goddamn barbarian. Did Shana do one as well? She did both of them. No, yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about with ruining the podcast. I was thanking Tom for setting up the sound clouds that you guys could record. I had already thanked Shana for being part of the podcast in the first place. I found out today that found out today that whales don't mate for life, and that was kind of depressing. Yes, one one of Mike's. He said clown cars are better organized than this show. And then spontaneous orgies at SeaWorld are better organized. And that was the one that, uh, whew, that was the one that really, that really got me good. I, thought, like, um, I think hot dog eating contests are better organized. To, well, those are relatively they, organized. You have to have the right number yeah, of hot dogs, the water. I mean. You have to have paramedics. Yeah, I mean, probably. Yeah, an ambulance for sure. Uh, Michael, Thomas, what? how are you two doing? Doing pretty good. I'm, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah, happy Valentine's oh, Day, everybody. Oh, happy Valentine's Day, Tom, you sweetheart. Joe was um, very mean to Tom before the podcast just because he has was to be so love. sweet around his daughter that he's just injecting venom into all the people that are not a part of his nuclear family. So, yeah, Joe's a terrible you person. But, hey, happy Suck Valentine's it, guys. Day. Um. So it's also sort of weird. I think today may end up being – well, all right. So the NHL trade deadline is in what, 12 days? It's February 26th. Monday the 26th. Not. So yeah, we'll have one more Less than two weeks. We'll have one more podcast before that. But I have a funny feeling um, this team is going to look very different by the next time that we go on the air um, than it does right now. So, you know, what better day than Valentine's Day to kind of talk about some of these guys that we may be losing? I have a question before anything begins. And this podcast is going to be a little bit more about the future rather than the past because I don't care as much about the game that the Rangers are playing on the ice right now because it might not actually mean anything once all is said and done. Um, Mike, starting with you. Joe. Thumbs up or thumbs down on the way the Rangers announced that they were selling uh, neither. I just kind of shrug. Does that you're an amazing, that you're an amazing co-host for the podcast? It's unbelievable. Well, it's I slowly, ever so slowly, do the I do the suspenseful Caesar thing, where you hold it sideways and you're like, oh, which way is it gonna go? And then it's just kind of a a meh hand gesture, like, oh, okay, because I don't know. It, it was. It feels like this is something that we should have seen earlier, and it's also nothing has really happened yet except Brendan Smith got turned into a scapegoat. So, yeah, I don't know, Joe. Ask Tom. Tom? He did all the work. So I would uh, 
I would say that the way they did it, I think you give them some credit for having this sort of simultaneous release where they put it out on Twitter, they in, in full letter form, they did also the, the tweet thread. And then they also um, simultaneously, they sent out a, um, an email blast to all their season ticket holders, whereas the online one was like, it was like dear fans or, or, or something to that effect. They, you know, just personalized it to the, um, the season ticket holders. Um, interestingly Yeah, but enough, did they Snapchat it, Tom? That's a good question. I didn't check at the did, time. Did and they Instagram know. it? They probably, I don't think you'd be able to. They, they probably I could did see it. them doing Damn it. But um, interestingly enough, the, the Canucks, they sort of did a, a variation of what the Rangers did by sort of having this open letter um, to the fans sort of talking about the state of things in the future. It wasn't as um, as detailed as the Rangers uh, letter. It was sort of, um, I guess, I think it was sort of reinstilling confidence in uh, the, the Canucks general manager talking about what he's done, what they think he can do. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if other teams sort of copy this, this style. Um, one of the things I had said on the, um, the last podcast was it was kind of interesting, the, not just the reception from Ranger fans, but other media members, other um, fans of different franchises sort of saying, wow, here are the Rangers are within, you know, a spitting distance of a, a playoff spot. And they're saying, you know, this is not our year. We recognize that changes have to be made. The one thing that I have heard, and I have a couple of my friends are season ticket holders, is they said it would have been nice if maybe this letter came out the day before season ticket holders were notified about renewals. Although one interesting thing that has since come out is that if the Rangers miss the playoffs, apparently there's not going to be an impact on uh, on season ticket pricing. I think that was something in uh, in the New York Post. Um, we can link to it um, after the fact. But I think the Rangers probably should have done this a lot sooner. I don't think there was any point in delaying the inevitable. I think the fact that they had had those losses in a row sort of forced the issue. And I think it was also announced that this was planned and it, it wasn't impacted by the fact that they, you know, got kicked the crap out of by, by the Bruins on home ice. So I give it a one thumb up, not two thumbs up because I feel like this should have come a lot sooner, but credit to them for actually recognizing what was going on and then talking to the fan base. I'll shed some light, Thomas on the season ticket thing, because I am a season ticket holder. Um, From what I can understand, if you renewed within a period of time that I think started last week, um, your ticket prices will not be raised next year um, until a certain date. I think you get a portion of the season for free or for no raise for sure. And then the Rangers will make a decision on whether or not they're going to raise prices. And if they do raise prices, you have the option to opt out. So, okay. Um, I believe, uh, and you know, James Dolan has a, um, if we don't make the playoffs, we don't raise ticket prices policy that I was unaware existed until recently. And I think that within and of itself sort of describes the level of success the Rangers have had um, the past decade or so. But to answer my own question, because Mike gave such a horrible answer, um, I loved what the Rangers did. I think going out and telling the world that this is the way that they were doing it and the apology to the fans. And um, it made me feel quite a bit better about the direction that the team was going in. And I mean that sincerely because if they didn't release anything and these past three games happened, uh, you could definitely see the nerves that would come with, Oh, Oh boy, maybe they're not going to sell because they think that they're good enough. And I like the fact that they apologize that you may see some familiar faces leave. 
um, that they're building for the future. It's a widely applauded move. I've never seen so much non-Ranger support for a move before. Um, And I think the Canucks... I think the Canucks did something today that was very similar. Um, I, I'm just, I, you don't listen, I'm sort Dad. of, what? I said Tom already said that. You just don't listen. I hate you so much. Um, now you made me even forget my point. You, you. It wasn't going anywhere anyway. It was terrible. You heathen. See, it's Valentine's Day, Michael. It's I haven't Valentine's talked to you in two weeks. This is what happened. You're coming at me with this nonsense. It's Valentine's Day. Um, anyway, I think it was a, I think it was a great move. I really do. Um, and for a team, that's the point that I was going to make. Which is actually the best they point should of the have given thing, season right? ticket holders a free sticker or a um, free pin. The, so it just says, for, hang, hang in there. A sticker hang that in says, there. hang in there. And uh, Bobby hang Granger is holding the sticker. Just hang in there. Uh, remember Bobby Granger? Those are some pretty good commercials. I do remember I miss, Bobby Granger. I miss the Bobby Granger commercials. Um... Anywho, yeah, for a team that keeps things so close to the vest, I thought it was a, a really good move by the Rangers. Um, anywho, in the letter, the Rangers discussed losing familiar faces, which you would think would be Nash. I don't think Grabner really counts or something like that. He doesn't really qualify. Ryan McDonough would, though, and potentially Matt Zuccarello. Um, Mike, we're going to go back to you. We're going to give you a second chance to not ruin the podcast. Out of all of the familiar faces that the Rangers could trade, who are you most worried they will trade? I think that what I'm most worried for is a Zuccarello trade with a bad return. Uh, Tom and Shane and I talked about this a little bit last time around, but I feel like that's the – that's the trait that I think would hurt the team and the fan base the most. It's, you know, I think it, it's really easy to get excited about what Nash and McDonough can bring in terms of a package, but Zuccarello is a player who he's just young enough to, to still be helpful, you know, within the next couple of years and more so than anyone else in the locker room. I feel he's kind of the glue, you know, if, if Lundquist is, you know, the heart of the team, Zuccarello's the soul. I've 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 constantly changed my you know my metaphors there and assigning you know the vital organs to different players. But uh, Michael Grabner is the appendix. Um, yeah, it, I I feel like that's the trade that's most troubling. Um, I I really worry about what would happen if a Zuccarello trade goes badly. Uh, and we, what's interesting to me, Joe, is we've heard a lot of, you know, camp is interested in, in Nash and Nashville, Nash and McDonough. And, you know, we've heard teams connected, but we haven't heard too many teams directly connected to Zuccarello per se. And that is, a that's something I've been trying to keep a keen eye on because I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if we're going to see, you know, like the full, the full blow up, everyone gets moved. Or if we're going to see something more like, you know, it's McDonough and the pending UFAs, Zuccarello's still here kind of a deal. I would agree with that, actually. I think Zuccarello is the most interesting of the cases. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. If, if he is, I, to me, the most – he could – the thing is, like, he could bring back a lot and he could help the team in a trade that way. You can get a lot for Zuccarello, but – you have to find the right buyer who has the right assets. And we've, we've seen lately, there's been a lot of talk about, oh, you know, Boston's really interested in McDonough, but it looks like what they could offer is really not all that appetizing. And that's a big part of this. It's, you know, it's, you need two teams to do a trade. And if a team doesn't have the right pieces coming, you know, coming back, it's, it's really, you know, in many ways, the Rangers could end up being better off holding on to Zuccarello. Because he is signed through next season. Uh, he shouldn't be too expensive to extend. And, you know, he's... Uh, I talked about this last week, I think, with Tom and Shana, Joe. I was actually curious about what your take is. I've heard a lot specifically from Bob McKenzie 
just describing, you know, Zuccarello having a wretched season, like just not at all up to his standard. And, you know, for sure he's not been maybe as brilliant as he has been in the past, but I don't feel like he's fallen off a cliff or anything. I just think he, he hasn't been as good. And I don't even know if you can properly judge a player this year with this team, Um, especially with all the injuries that the Rangers have had. Because when you look at really the team top to bottom in terms of the offense that they've produced, now as of today, we know that Kevin Shattenkirk is playing on one leg. Um, Brendan Smith is playing like an AHL defenseman. It is probably the worst season that we've seen of Ryan McDonough. Um, there's just so many variables that weren't necessarily there last year or in years past. I, I would agree with you, Mike, that I don't think Matt Zuccarello is having a wretched year. I think you're noticing Zuccarello's flaws a little bit more because of yeah, the yeah. fact that the Rangers don't have as much offense coming in. But Zuccarello leads the Rangers. I mean, he's got 40 points in in 56 games. That's nothing to sneeze at. Um, He's probably going to finish the year with close to 60 points all in. Um, I mean, Miller has 37 points and Buchnevich has 32 points. So you're not talking about a team that's blowing the doors off in terms of offense. So is Zuccarello having a terrible year? No. Zuccarello Zuccarello gets the puck more. Yeah. yeah, I mean, of course he could, but if you go up and down, and if we're going to go and attack a guy like Zuccarello, and obviously this isn't you, it's it's Bob, um, his quote-unquote rookie Bob. year, I do too, and we're going to call that 2013-2014 because it was his first full year in the league, 59 points, 49 points, 61 points, 59 points, 40 points, and the 40 points is so far this year. So he, he's on pace to do what he's done his entire career. Um, I think the perception around the Rangers is, oh, they're not as good as they used to be. So like everybody's bad. And that's just, that's not the case. You can certainly turn around and blame anyone. And Zuccarello is one of the leaders of this team on offense. So I understand blaming him, but I just don't necessarily agree with the fact that he's having an atrocious season. That was, yeah. Michael, your thoughts on this? Tom, Tom's turn. I, I meant to say Thomas, and I said Michael instead. You're in my head, Mike. I don't appreciate it. I'm always in your head. <laughs> um, it's where I belong. So I, I agree on, on a couple fronts. Uh, I think that whatever happens with the Rangers, there's almost going to be three waves. Wave one is, is going to be players that have expiring contracts, so your Nashes, your Grabners, your Holdens, your Dehernays, those types of players who you don't know what their status are, is going to be with the Rangers next year. So even if there's a chance you might want to have them around, you move them now, you take the assets, you reassess. Wave two will be something prior to the draft. Once the dust settles, other trades that have yet to happen with other teams, what players have decided to recommit with their teams and are not going to unrestricted free agency, we know the standings of the lottery and who's picking when, then the Rangers have the opportunity then to say maybe a Ryan McDonough, maybe a Matt Zuccarello, and then obviously wave three being uh, during free agency and during the summer once teams have missed out on certain players maybe there's moves to be made because the Rangers have assets available that are comparable to players that could have been re-signed. I think one of the more interesting ones is Zuccarello because I think that outside of Lundqvist, he's one of the Rangers' most marketable players. He's been there. You can play representatives sort of being front-facing for the organization. He's someone that, that does things with, with charity. He was the, the person that was marketing the jersey for the Winter Classic in, in that advertisement, someone that is very popular with kids, is, is very popular with, with the fan base as a whole. So there's that element of if you're going to move someone like that, yes, it is a business. Everyone is movable. 
that I think they're going to be a little bit cognizant of that because the last fan favorite they traded being Derek Stepan was also another marketable player, Stepan behind the mic, um, all his, his locker room interview stuff. So that w- w- was something to, uh, to consider. Uh, I think that Zook ultimately ends up being around with this team next year. One of the things that um, I think because of that is regardless of what happens, you're still going to want to have veterans around the team. Um, Nash has been, I would say, very open in the reality of the situation where it could be a a front where he's just, you know, playing his cards close, close to the chest where, you know, I'm going to consider my options, not just where I'm going for, for the deadline, but maybe it's a team that I want to resign with, with long-term. I believe he used the phrase, uh, and he later corrected himself, but like if the Rangers don't want me, where he, by that he meant you, they announced that they're going through this sort of rebirth and this sort of renew process that maybe he doesn't fit in anymore, and he understands that it's a business. So in that element, you want to have an elder statesman like forward on the defense. If they move McDonough or they keep him, they would still have Shattenkirk, who is um, someone with, with experience, who, who's been through the process. But up on forward, you look down the roster after Nash, who really is it? I mean, you could say it's Kreider. Uh, he's still relatively young, but in terms of experience w- within the league, then it, it's well, Miller. Yes, for but Fats, then, uh, yes, for uh, Fats is yeah. an alternate captain. I mean, he's he's, a, natural, he's he's a grizzled veteran at this point. They should make the That's 12th a man a captain. I, yeah, I fast, uh, that with instant silence. I apologize. I ruined everything. I'm gonna sulk yeah, back. Kind of railed the show, and then you you push the train off a cliff into the Grand Canyon. But um, trains don't go on cliffs, that... Michael. I'm sorry, Tom is trying to make Tom an actual talk. He's better than both of us. Just let him go. Go ahead, Tom. But I think I agree with with Joe's point that the next time that there's a podcast, that there's going to be. Um, a different a different roster because I think the Rangers realize that their their asking prices are what they are. Uh, we had the first move uh, uh, prior to the deadline last night with um, the primary pieces of Fanuf going to Los Angeles and Gabrick going to Ottawa. So teams are gonna sort of I mean I don't, I don't think it really sets the market or anything, but it's it's one less available player more so Fanuf than say Gabrick. And now the Kings, that they have addressed that, there's reports that they're looking for um, mid-six secondary scoring. Um, so I think that the Rangers will reach a point where they're going to be honest of what they themselves will accept for, say, Rick Nash. And they're going to try and make a deal sooner rather than later because I think the last thing they want to have happen and I cringed when I, I was watching uh, it wasn't uh, against the wild but it was, it was the um, the game prior where he's on the power play screening and a puck goes whizzing by his face and he sort of you know almost drops down to the deck and I'm saying to myself this is all the Rangers need they announce that they're selling they have the most valuable asset on the market and then he takes you know, a puck to the noggin, and then he's out the rest of the season. Um, so I think that they're going to look to at least make a move because right now I mean, they are playing a lot better since uh, they announced this, this new plan. And so far, they're still within striking distance of a playoff spot. But I think once you start making those moves, it sort of sends the message that this is this is what's actually happening. Where Zuccarello said, "Yeah, we know that what management said, but we're still playing these games." So I would expect within the next week, even if it's something minor, as say Nick Holden um, goes or DeHarnay, or maybe they 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 spring and and, and do Grabner first. Um, but something something will change because now that they've announced their intentions. They would look very disingenuous if they go on a run and they hold on to everyone um, for the sake of, of making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, we Mike 
actually, I think it was you, me, and Mike, Tom, maybe a month ago when we were debating who the Rangers could trade and what, and I think I mentioned uh, Nylander like 4,000 times. Uh, Zuccarello, to me, has always been the failsafe of this endeavor. Um, like the we traded McDonough for X, we traded Grabner for Y, we got Z from Nash, now we need A, okay, let's trade Zuccarello. Um, as much as you may love Zuccarello and as much as I love Zuccarello, as much as we all love Zuccarello, because who couldn't love Matt Zuccarello? Um, his contract situation isn't necessarily one that's advantageous to a rebuilding team. Zuccarello has, what, one year left or two years left, I think, on his contract. One year after this year. Um, one year. He's, what, 31 right now? Um, so he's going to be 32. You need a captain, Joe. You do need a, uh, excuse me. He's 30. So he's going to be 31 at the start of next year. Um, God, he's only born a year before I I am old. Um, he also has the heart of a child, which means he's even younger than he might appear. (laughs) The heart of a child. And he has the heart of a child, but he's also a lion, a lion child. Doesn't have much um, NHL mileage, many 30-year-olds. Which I would 100% agree with. He only has 439 NHL games under his belt. Um, I, and the I heart of a child. And the heart of a child. I just don't, like a fairy of some type. Um, I just yeah, don't, a woodland creature. I, I, I don't know if keeping Zuccarello makes sense if you get the type of offer that you'd want. Uh, I'm in agreement. We got into an enormous fight in the Blue Shirt Banter Twitter group a few weeks ago um and adam made a great point you need somebody to teach the kids how to play the game the right way and if it's Ilya kobolchuk who potentially wants to come to the rangers over the summer great great that's not great i I wouldn't mind kobolchuk whatever i wouldn't mind kobolchuk it's you're breaking up i can't hear a word you're saying Yeah, you're breaking up, Joe. Tom, you and I have to talk while he figures out his microphone thing because we record the show live like idiots. But, yeah, I I was one of the people that was sort of pro-Kovalchuk just for the fact that he's someone that has immense elite talent. He's played very well the last two years in the KHL. I believe he's still the leading scorer. And uh, my contention is you're still going to need – players to fill out a roster and even if next year goes sideways you look at it as a guy that could be very good on your team and then he becomes an asset that you flip at the uh the trade deadline because i i doubt 35 he can still play he can still shoot he's a very good player he's he can still skate he's not let's put it this way Look at some of the players that the Rangers have, have iced out and are terrible skaters. And I would I would bet that Kovalchuk would not be nearly as bad. All right. You know what, Tom? I'm going to pose it to you like this. At the risk of sounding like a, a xenophobic North American hockey fan, has Kovalchuk throughout his career given you any impression that he's a veteran presence, part of a leadership group guy that you that you would consider like a positive influence in the locker room? Yeah, he actually, uh, the year that the Devils went to the Stanley Cup final, he was given a lot of compliments for him being this, this veteran presence with it, the locker room. And it was, I believe it was actually revealed that after the Cup run that he had been playing with uh, an injured back and he had made no mention of it to, to anyone because he just wanted to uh, help the team any way that he could. And while, while granted, if you're playing hurt, sometimes it's stupid, but the way I look at it, and it's a situation that it's kind of complex, damn you, and it under it, it no, it really is because people say, well, Kovalchuk signed this massive deal and then he flat left the Devils. So there's a couple of elements here. Number one, the deal that he signed was not a Lou Lamoureux contract. Lou Lamoureux does not sign long-term deals. He does not like those types of contracts. That was one, 
that was was pushed for by the owner. I, I don't remember his name, but the I the um, rather the Devils have swept since changed ownership. So by him leaving when he did, he gave the Devils a ton of financial flexibility for the penalty. I think it was two hundred and fifty thousand. So they really didn't gain anything um, for, in terms of a cap recapture perspective. So it wasn't a situation where, oh, he, he's screwing over the doubles. He actually helped right, them right, yeah. a great deal. I appreciate that. My problem is is this he would represent, you know, no pun intended here, the devil you don't know. Whereas you have guys here, if especially it's I think it's a really peculiar road to take to the free agent signing that becomes the new captain, the new leader in the, in the locker room. Cause I don't think, and I don't know, maybe this is just my, my affinity for Zuccarello kind of shining through, but to me, like a, a move like Kovalchuk just seems like, you know, he, why would he be there to be a role model? Okay. Well, he's going to be 35 going on 36 next season. He's turning 35 this April. Uh, and, you know, I forget exactly. Isn't it, that doesn't it have to be a sign, a trade in sign with the Devils? Or not is no that mo. no longer the case? Not no mo? Okay. Um, yeah, there's, even still, like, that didn't, that wasn't a big factor to me. What The big factor is that I just don't, I don't see the value in, all right, we, we want to be young, we want to rebuild, we want to give young players an opportunity to establish themselves and, you know, scoring line roles. And I wonder, wouldn't the Rangers be better served, you know, signing a, a UFA player out of college and giving him that opportunity in the lineup over Kovalchuk? I mean, if Kovalchuk is free, what does it matter? I'm back, by the way. I don't know what happened. I totally lost connection. I was, yeah. I was kicked yeah, out. Yeah, you said you sound fine. You signed um, fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, I mean, yes, your a, the age factor is a good point for Kovalchuk. He is 34 going on 35, but in the past, I mean, he had 78 points in 60 KHL games last year. He has this 63 just points. Like a stay in... their era idea to me. That's all. But so the there's my... another thing. Wasn't there? Ahead, the, I forget. I think. Sorry to interrupt, but the Rangers were interested. I I forget what his, his first name was, but wasn't his last name um, like Zarapov or, or Zarapov or, or someone that yeah. earlier this year they were interested in signing, and he was 36. So, so but in this situation, yeah, but that's a to me that's a much different animal. That's a a depth scoring guy you you're bringing in because you fucked up. You don't have enough centers, uh, and Kovalchuk would be. We need a new. We traded away Nash. We might trade away Zuccarello. We traded away Stepan. We need another guy who who can plug in. And best case scenario, let's say it's just a one year rental for Kovalchuk. Also, okay. sidebar, I can't believe how long we're talking about Kovalchuk. Um, let's say it's just, you know, the one-year rental and you keep the idea open to trade him. Okay, but, like, to me, it just, there will almost certainly be a more attractive option in free agency. In terms Even of rental. that role. I don't right. know if it's but the, it's JBR, Well, the, the bottom line is none of us know until, until we get to free agency. Evander but. Kane. There's not many options for from a in terms of a uh, top six uh, elite level scoring. It's it's James Van Riemsdyk, it's Evander Kane. Those are really the two top names, and then from there, it's you're looking at potentially RFAs, and if, can you you trade for someone um, that you then sign to a deal? So the team, you're, it's not like you're not offer sheeting them because it's it's stupid that it doesn't actually happen more because I think it would, would help the, the free agency system as a whole, but that's, that's a whole conversation for another day. But I think that this is a, it's a leveraging situation where it's apparently Kovalchuk wants to play in New York. It's either the Rangers or the Islanders. I really don't see him going to the Islanders and putting up with all the nonsense of their practicing on Long Island. They're playing in Brooklyn and all this, all this. Um, I look at it as, one-year deal, two at, at most, but I would go with one just because you can give him a, a contract that pays X and say, okay, if you hit this incentive, 
you know, it, it's $500,000 here. If you hit this incentive, it's $250,000 here. So you're making him work for it. And it's also, I know it was only like a younger like, deal. Yeah. Right. I think it was only 18 or 19 games, but he was a teammate of, of Bucinevich's. And I think there's something to be said for having uh, oh, yeah. learn from that. a player yeah. like him. So I, I think that it will be determined by how well they do in round one of trades. So depending on what assets they get, because for all we know, they might get an NHL-ready prospect that they're penciling in a, say, top six wing spot. They may get a uh, NHL-ready defenseman that then they say, okay, because we got player X back, we're now going to trade so-and-so to fill in a hole on the wing. Um, but Yeah, that's where I'm, I'm coming from. Is I feel okay. like there will be younger guys here who deserve an opportunity. And I limited that to college free agent signings. But I think, uh, in general, I think that is something the Rangers should continue to do because it's for the same reason, for the same argument of getting Kovalchuk. It's just... It's free. It just costs money. Uh, but more importantly, it takes up a contract spot. And, you know, that's why you have to say, all right, well, how many of these, you know, you know how many of these lottery tickets are we going to, you know, waste on a guy who w- will cannot be an answer three or four years from now in Kovalchuk's case? You know what I mean? It's all right. Well, you know, can we find, you know, someone like uh, Alex Kerfoot who, who looks really good and, in Colorado, you know, is, is there an opportunity to find that guy, to find a Will Butcher, to find, you know, I think it's very much premature to put Neil Pionk on that list, but, you know, it's, there are guys, Kevin Hayes, you know, the list goes on and on. There are opportunities to kind of grab these players. And one of the things you use to woo them is, yeah, we have room for you in the lineup right now. And the Rangers are going to be able to say that to freaking everyone if everything goes as we anticipate on deadline day. And that is, to me, an incredibly valuable asset, especially we know Drury is great at this. And, you know, we see the Wolfpacker turning it around. There's an opportunity for these guys like, yeah, you have every chance to make this team. And if, you're, if you don't make the team, you're going to be in Hartford. And, the, you know, every guy is going to say, well, the guys in Hartford got plenty of chances up with the Rangers this year. So I think that that is also worth a lot. And I don't know, it's, I, but yeah, I, I definitely, there's a lot of weight and credit, you know, there's value, I should say, to the Buchnevich angle. I think that's a big deal. But to me, Kovalchuk just feels like it's just this headache. It's it's something that's too complicated. We have no idea what he's going to look like in the NHL again. You know, I, I I probably underrate him in terms of the impact he can make. But, you know, this year I just checked the stats, 53 games. 63 points in the KHL last year, 60 games, 78 points. The year before that he had 49 points in 50 games. Um, And, you know, he's leading the KHL in points right now, but you know, I don't, I don't know. Then again, it's also important to keep in mind that Nigel Dawes, the former New York Ranger prospect has 55 points in 45 games in the KHL. So, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of context with that stuff. But here's my, my, I guess, my point on the matter, and, and Tom brought up the Buchanovich point, which I was going to make. Uh, screw you, Tom. Um, and I, I think it's the the most important, really, point to make. What are the Rangers next year? If they're if they're nothing, yeah, we don't know. And we're assuming they're going to be nothing, right? They're going into this sell-off. What would it matter? I mean, a guy like Kov, I would bet money that Kovalchuk is a thirty-goal scorer in the NHL next year. I, I really would. And if you get that type of a guy, if Nash comes back on a cheap contract, if Tom is right, you sign Kovalchuk to a one-year deal with incentives. On the right, you're not, an unbelievable, like you're not putting an unbelievable lineup together, but you are putting a guy who can teach you what to do on the power play. It's an instant connection for Buchnevich, who is going to be a big part of the Rangers' future. Um, and you're not really taking a roster spot away from a kid. Heedle and Anderson, if both happen to make the team, are centers. They're not wingers. 
Um, you can thrust Miller to the wing and keep him away from the center position if you really have to. Bunieves can play fourth-line center. If you need to go find a hired gun to play third-line center, whatever it may be, I would be far more concerned if Kovalchuk played center than I would be at the fact that he's a winger. So be it. I mean, if your top line or if you get some combination of Kovalchuk with Hedl and Buchnevich or something really crazy, everybody benefits from that. Everybody does. A guy like Hedl, a guy like Buchnevich who can learn from maybe one of the, the better snipers of our generation, there is no downside. If the Rangers were going to be playoff contenders next year, I think there would definitely be a little bit more risk associated with it. But even so, I would still, still think tickets. that Kovalchuk is worth the risk. I, I really do. But it, for me, it's not even about selling tickets because the Rangers are going to sell tickets regardless. Um, it, it's about having somebody there. Like, you don't want the team. Especially if they keep have, writing those nice letters. You don't want the team to have no talent. You really like the team. Yeah, has but they, to have they won't have no talent, talent though. Zabinajad will be here. Shattenkirk will be here. Booch will be here. Kreider will almost certainly be here. There's sure, going to so, be but, stuff there. But why would you say no to a Hayes thirty goal free player? Because you might find a young guy who will be a more important and valuable asset in the next three years, which is going to be ten times more important than what happens next year. Next but year is going to be Rangers, a wash. The Rangers would know that already, though. They would know I don't that. think yeah. you find anyone short-term. I think in terms of what you're looking to fill, yes, you might say you have someone, and I'll just say if they thought it was Evander Kane or if they thought it was James Van Riemsdyk, it's not going to be guys that you're going to get on deals that are less than, than four years. And I think the primary goal of what they're trying to do is, yes, they're going to look to find and assess young talent, but they're going to look to set up sort of building blocks they're going to look and say, all right, we have Kreider, who is another interesting, just for the way his contract is set up, that they're going to have to potentially re-sign him uh, within this window. But you'll have Buchnevich coming off as ELC. You'll have Anderson. You'll have Heedle. You'll have um, Pionk. You'll have Shea. You'll have, you'll have a lot of different guys that they're young and the way that their contract situation is set up. Um I think the one player that we've not mentioned in, in detail, which they're going to have to make a decision on is Miller because he is, uh, he's an RFA this summer, but he's one, he's one year away from uh, unrestricted free agency. So any deal that they make with him, it's going to be long-term because a one-year deal would take him right to UFA status. Um, but I think I agree with, with Mike that, they could potentially find better, younger talent, but I don't think you're you're getting them on the term that the Rangers are looking for. I don't think they want to really go long-term with um, anyone that's not currently on the team because mm. they're, they, don't, they don't know what they are. They don't know what they're going to be. They don't know what assets they get. For all we know, and – this, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but say Dallas is hot and heavy that they're going to go after Nash. And then at the last minute, Nashville says, we got to the cup final last year and lost. Um, we are not going to let someone within our division get a valuable asset. So we're going to blow away the Rangers. And then the Rangers say, oh, wow, we got more than we thought. And this checks off box X, box Y, and box Z. Now we're only shopping for X amount of things. So it changes the the, the progression of their, their rebuild. It's not going to be like a one-and-done thing, but I think that there's the, the potential, if done right, and goaltending withstanding for the Rangers to sort of follow the mold that the Maple Leafs executed, where they're, um, they, they, they sort of bottomed out, they draft well, they progress a little bit. Last year, obviously, they make the playoffs and they come up short against Washington, and we see where they are now. And then I think that next year they're going to be even better. So it's it's and again, there are things that they need to do. There are things that we can see, but until they start making the trade and we see the types of returns that we're getting, the types of player they're looking for, it's hard to sort of project outward. 
if a move had been made already, we could say, okay, this, this is the, the profile of player. Then you could then connect the dots and say, well, this team was interested in player X and here's what they have. Um, yeah, I, I agree with yeah. you, Tom. I feel like a tone is going to have to be set soon. And, you know, just as Joe was saying, you know, by, by the time we do our next show, it feels like the team's going to be different because I also somewhat get the feeling that the Rangers are very much interested in setting the market and because they're in a very unique position compared to a lot of teams where they have so many guys they can move. You know what I mean? And, and it's almost in their best interest to to say, like, you know, this is what this is going to cost. Um, but, I, you know, I, I kind of got wrapped up in, in talking about Kovalchuk. I feel like we all did. But we don't know what's going to happen, really, until we, we see what, you know, when all the smoke and dust clears after the deadline. Because I think then we'll get a much better idea of, you know, number one is how many contracts are going to be on the books come July 2nd. You know what I mean? Or July 1st, the morning of. Because uh, it's, you know, we know who the UFAs are at the NHL level, but, you know, in, in terms of standard contracts in the AHL, there's there's really not that many, I think. And it's a really, I don't know, because of it was a big transition year uh, for the Wolfpack, they have a lot of guys there who, you know, are kind of on a couple of your deals. And to me, what's what's going to be interesting is what happens in terms of that leadership role, in terms of the point that Adam made in, in our in our Twitter group, which is you do want that guy, you know, who's there who can kind of show the ropes. And I'm I don't think any of us are really certain who it is. I think most I think we all agree we'd like it to be Zuccarello, but I, I do admit there does exist a scenario where Kovalchuk is not a bad option. My whole feeling is like. You know, if you're blowing it up and you're giving young guys a chance, I don't see why you just don't open the door all the way to young guys. Uh, you know, it's there is the dilemma of, you know, can young guys lead young guys? But there are, you know, a couple of guys who feel like they could be young leaders on the team. Um, and, you know, there's, there'll still be a couple of guys who are still around. It's going to be really hard to get away from Mark Stahl. Uh, you know, we haven't talked about that in a while, but it's, you know, there's, there's still going to be a lot of things the Rangers have to deal with. And there's going to, that means contracts that are on the books. Henrik Lundqvist isn't going anywhere. He's obviously, you know, the biggest leader on the team, regardless of whether or not he has a letter on his Jersey. So, yeah, I don't know. Joe, say things. I, I think we're going to get a good idea of what, like Mike said, of what the Rangers are going to do. As we go forward, uh, if I were Jeff Gordon, um, I would have told you a week ago I want to trade McDonough first, just to get a gauge on what I'm what I'm dealing with. But if the interest in Nash is as hot as it seems to be, if you can get a guy like Tolvanen out of um, Nashville or a prospect of that level, I think you need to make a swing for it. And it seems like a lot of people are sort of backing away from the the market right now, but all you need is one general manager. I mean, Boston and Tampa seem to be fighting for one another over McDonough. Um, those are two That's teams. That's good that news, within, by the way. That's right, nothing but good news to the Rangers. They're, they're within points of each other in the standings. They're division rivals. That's what, that's how you start a bidding war. Um, is Minnesota going to be interested in McDonough? Literally there are names flying around everywhere. And I'm just I want this to start because there's so much anticipation right now. You just want to make sure that the Rangers don't overplay their hand. And the next thing you know, they're selling off for whatever they can get. Um, I don't think it's going to get to that point. I really do think we've reached just this this moment of recognition where you're going to see these general managers start to make moves and uh, I think it's got a, it, it, the first move may be the most important one. Um, it, and I don't, I would have told you it's coming from McDonough. Now I think it's coming from Nash. I, I just, I get the sense that there's so much more interest in Nash than maybe I even anticipated there to be that we're going to get a really good idea of the direction the Rangers are moving in. But again, this is, this is all a good thing. Nothing bad can come the Rangers aren't going to regret as much as McDonough is a great player. The Rangers aren't going to regret trading him when in two years or a year and a half, 
he's going to get an eight or an eight year contract worth seven or yeah. eight million dollars that takes him until he's 37 years old. I mean, listen, I love Ryan McDonough as much as all of you do. The fact that the Rangers are going to walk away from this without a Stanley Cup for him is almost as bad, but really not even close um, to walking away from Henrik Lundqvist not having a cup. But you can't pay players tomorrow for something they did yesterday. And you'd rather trade a guy two years too early than two years too late. And the Rangers did that with Stepan, even if the execution was wrong, um, the thought process was right. But McDonough, you're walking away from a contract that I think would would end up crippling the team a few years down the road. Um, And their team is going to make that mistake. Yeah, it feels a lot like a team that might be learning its lesson from the Girardi install contracts to me. And understanding the context of where they are, how old Hank is, the direction the league is going in. And you have to be really careful about the contracts that you walk into, especially when you're still burdened by, you know, contracts that were very clearly mistakes that you're still dealing with. And, you know, this is all part of that. This is part of, you know, this is, we know that Glenn Sather is going to be around for a bit more and his legacy and some of his mistakes are very much still with the team. And it's, you know, his fingerprints are all, are all over this, you know, this, the blowing up of this current team and, and, you know, the kind of the end of the Lundquist cup window. And that's a real shame, but this is the, this is the bitter pill you have to swallow in this salary cap area. You have, you have to, like you said, Joe, you can't get on the hook for McDonough at like a 7.8 million cap hit for eight years or seven years or six years. You just can't do it. Uh, very quick question because I have to end the show because I hear my child screaming and my wife is probably going to kill herself. Um, three sentences or less. Do you trust Jeff Gordon for the rebuild? Michael. Uh because That's of what Tom, right there. That's because of a, because of a point that Tom brought up when we talked about something similar, I'm going to say I'm optimistic, and I'll let Tom fill fill in the rest. Uh, he 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 pointed out something pretty brilliant about uh, Gordon's time in Boston. You know what I'm talking about, Tom? Yes. So Gordon, prior to joining the Rangers, he worked in their scouting department. And then he he rose to the ranks of uh, assistant GM. What he's most known for is he was at the helm for, I believe it was the, um, I think it was the Kessel Marshan draft in which he also traded Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Raft. Tuka, yeah. Correct. And then he also played a role in the signing of uh, Chara and Mark Savard. And then uh, some, some people say that they were deals that were unofficially orchestrated by uh, Peter Shirelli because Shirelli took over shortly afterwards. Um, but um, I would say that Gorton's background is in scouting. As soon as he was fired from uh, Boston, the Rangers picked him up as a scout. Then he moves to AGM, but then GM. I think that a lot of people are um, doubting Gorton primarily because of the return in the Stepan trade. So that that's something that I understand that there there is concern, and some people also have, have wondered how much sway that uh, does the Sather still have. So what I'll say with with Gorton is I think he deserves a trade deadline um, given the, the way that the Rangers are operating. You can get on him all you want for the Eric Stahl trade. That, uh, even though if people say that that was a Glenn Sather move, he was still the, the guy calling, calling the shots. Um, but I think that now that the Rangers' identity is known, that they're rebuilding, that – this is somewhat an area that uh, he's familiar with. When they were rebuilding on the fly, they were still looking to uh, contend while rebuilding. So it was sort of being a toe in between both waters. So 
I would say that I'm giving um, Gorton this trade deadline, and I'm giving him uh, the beginning of free agency, that sort of period. And after that, we'll have a good sense of what type of team that he wants to have. Um, but um, I know I went way over, you know, three sentences. Yeah, that but, was, Tom, that was like yeah. 58 sentences. Three paragraphs. Yeah. So, I, I mean, technically, if I'd, I never stopped, I could have just been adding commas and commas and commas and commas and commas, and it would be one sentence. But um, That's fair. It's yeah. like that my writing style. Yeah. Yeah, just stream of um, consciousness. I I also, uh, for right now, I trust Seder, uh, Jesus. I, I trust Gordon. Um, I think the Stepan move, like Gordon has at least moved in the right direction mentally. Um, his execution may not have been there with the Stepan trade, and, and I do think the Eric Stahl trade was facilitated um, by Glenn Sather. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just... I know we want to wrap up the show. I feel like this is a good way to do it. Which of the, Which potential trade... Uh, do you think the Rangers have the greatest opportunity to fuck up? Uh, the easy answer is Zuccarello, but I'm an, the real answer is McDonough because you can't, you, you, you can't, you could forgive Zuccarello's return being screwed up. Um, you, you can't forgive McDonough's and it's such a, like, are the Rangers going to go after Carlo, at, like a first round pick and, anybody from Boston it's got to be the right return and I think at this point it's so open that the Rangers are looking to move him that it would be almost a bigger headache to keep him um, so yeah I 100% think McDonough is the the easiest trade to screw up for sure um, what do you think Michael that yeah, you know what I was feeling like it's very easy to screw up the Zuccarello trade, but I I see, I see your point. I feel like that is the trade they can least afford to mess up, and so that's the one that will keep me up at night. Is if you if you do trade your captain, if you do trade Ryan McDonough, you really really have to get a lot back, and you have to get the right a lot back. And the good news is, it seems like almost every playoff contender is trying to get their foot in the door in, you know, in, in the cabal that's forming to figure out this bidding war of what's it going to take to get Ryan McDonough. And that's great news for the Rangers. Uh, but it, it does make me nervous that there definitely exists a scenario where they don't get enough back. They get the wrong prospect back. And, you know, if history has taught us anything, you have to be super careful getting prospects back from other teams because, you might covet another team's prospect, but if they're willing to move it, that it, it it's not a good sign. You know what I mean? It's it's very rarely a good sign. You need to be prying it away from them. It can't just be, you know, this is the guy who we think is the best, and they're willing to do it, and that's not a good thing. So, I don't know, Tom. Do you feel the same way? Do you think the McDonough trade's the one with the the kind of the highest risk factor involved? I think partially. My biggest fear is that the Rangers fall into a trap where a team is interested in multiple players. Like I think a few, a few places have said that there are teams that are interested in both Nash and McDonough and that the Rangers yeah, yeah. fall to the, they fall into the trap of trading them as a package instead of individually, because you can pit multiple teams against each other for one player where you may not be able to do the same in a package. So while they still may get a good return, I don't know if don't trade that's as, as much as one one player here, one player there. You both want them. What, who's going to be the one to sort of step up and, and, and ante up to put it over the top? So that's a situation that, that I, I fear that by um, by putting them together, you, you're you sort of selling it at, as, a, as, a, as a lump sum type deal is instead of, you know, here's a prime asset that I need yeah, this, yeah. this, and this. The Rangers can't afford to be Costco, Tom. Is that what you're saying? Or yeah. BJ's. Neither of them. Uh, Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. You can pay for content like this, and you should because you're good people. And it's Valentine's Day. Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Alex Gardner, Eric Cohn, Alexander Ricard, and Andre Chicagoff, Daniel DeGen, Matt Bader, George 50 Littman. 
Guy from Montana, Andrew Grigo, Stink Fleeman, Dan Lynch, Mike Offit, Trevor Kepna, Gabriel Vargas, Dan Carosi, David L. Singer, Arch Williams, Bob Cowa, Scott Potash, Darwin Bushman, James Dangles, Alexander Thornton, Danny Santiago, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zatlowski, Thomas Osa, Chris B., and Michael the Man Silvers. They all did it. They donated, so you should donate. Thank you, everyone, for being patient with us with the Thank upload you. problems and Joe raising a small child and, and Beth having work. We're doing our best, Thank everybody. You guys could probably hear my small child screaming in the background. Uh, let me get to her before I get divorced. Love you all. Um, Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Will tell me for life.